right, well, I invite you to open to the book of Ephesians. We're going to continue in our series in Ephesians. So far, we've seen God's eternal plan from the ages of how he's going to save his people, his church, how he brought them near by his own blood, getting into what we could say is the practical stuff of salvation. Um, Everything in God's word is practical. There's nothing impractical in it. There's nothing useless or superfluous in God's word whatsoever. But now we're getting into where he tells us how to live in this present world. We've been under the title, Living as God's Treasure's Possession. This is part three of that. So I invite you to stand with me as I read from God's Word, chapter 4, verses 17, all the way to the end, but we will only be dealing with uh, the first few verses today. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you that you touched us. If you didn't touch us, if you didn't make yourself known to us, we would have never chosen you. We would have been stuck in our sin and our darkness. Away from the covenants and away from the promises of God, as you tell us in the book of Ephesians. But we thank you that we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. And we thank you that you're a God who is not far off. But you're a God who is right here, right now. You're a God who lovingly teaches and instructs his children. And we ask, Lord God, again today that you show us yourself. Show us Christ. Make this book alive to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is what God says to us today. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greed, to practice every kind of impurity. But this is not the way you learn Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirits of your mind, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. It's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So as we work through verses 17 to 32 over the next couple weeks, we're going to have two headings of which we will use. Avoid immorality, adapt spirituality. Avoid immorality, adapt spirituality. Avoid immorality. 
Paul begins this section of his letter by asserting again his apostolic authority to exhort them in the Lord. Listen to what he says. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. The word testify. It means to make a serious declaration on the base on the basis of presumed personal knowledge. That's what the word means. But Paul did not have presumed knowledge. Paul had direct knowledge from God. Paul had direct revelation from God. God, Jesus Christ himself, taught Paul. Listen to what he says to the church in Galatia. For to have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it as through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, because of his apostolic authority of being appointed by Jesus Christ himself, the criteria for being an apostle, that's why there's no apostles today. You have to be personally called by Christ. You have personally seen the resurrected Christ. Nobody has that today. Jesus is not coming to you and appearing to you and saying, you're going to be an apostle today. Can Jesus appear to people? Yes, he can. But the physical resurrected Jesus is not appearing. When he does, everybody's going to know. Everybody's going to know. And it's either going to be the day of rejoicing or the day of weeping and gnashing of teeth, depending on where you are with the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul says this, now I testify. Now I say this, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You know that the walking means a way of life. The way I conduct my life. This is the pattern of my life. You are no longer to walk as the Gentiles do, which is just a, a way of saying those who are outside the covenant, outside the promise. But he says in the futility of their minds. Futility, matateosos. Emptiness, purposeless, folly, vanity. They have an empty, purposeless, foolish, vain mind. The word mind here is nous. It's the psychological faculty of understanding, reasoning, thinking, and deciding. He says, don't longer walk as the sinners do, those who are outside of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. No longer walk that way. They walk with an empty mind. They walk without purpose. Were you in Sunday school this morning? Right? Does God have for you? What's he have for you, sir? A pur- that's exactly right. A purpose for you. What is your purpose in Christ Jesus? Just to make it to heaven? <laughs> to be honest, if that's your attitude, you're probably not going to make it. God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for the way he wants you to think and act in this world. It's a purpose for you and me and for his church all together. 
Ian Hamilton in his commentary correctly states this. How you think determines how you behave. What you think inevitably shapes how you live. Isn't that not true? Now, this isn't the power of positive thought. This isn't Norman Vincent Peale. That's from the pits of hell. But how you think determines how you behave. It is true. It's, it's as true as the law of gravity. We all have a worldview, a lens through which we see and react to the world around us. There are many facets to a worldview, but God's word tells us there are essentially two worldviews. There are only two worldviews according to God's word. One view in which God is the sovereign of the universe, and the other view is which I am the sovereign of the universe. That's it. That's essentially the two worldviews. Either God is God or I am God. Our worldview determines the clarity of our minds. Our worldview determines the clarity of our minds. If you choose to view the world controlled by a sovereign, loving God, you will have clarity, you will have wisdom, and you will have peace. If you reject God as sovereign, you will not only be futile, empty, purpose, and foolish in your thinking, you will also be darkened in your understanding, unable to have a true understanding of who runs the universe. You will forfeit any hope of clarity and any hope of peace. Your mind will lead you to greater and greater darkness and alienation from God. You will become what you think and suffer the consequences for it. That's what God says. So what it says in verse 18, they are darkened, those who have a futile mind, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Darkened. Skutu means to darken, to blind, to stupefy. They are darkened in their understanding. In other words, dionia means way of thinking. And because their darkened way of thinking is against God, does not have the right worldview, does not put God on the throne, and is able to help them view the world and react to the world, that's why we encourage ourselves. What's going on in the world right now? What's going on in Israel? What's happening with Lighthouse Pregnancy? What is, wait, looks really bad. Looks hopeless. It is bad. It's not hopeless. There's a sovereign God on the universe. It brings clarity. It brings peace. It brings hope. It brings endurance. It brings all the things that God promises in his word. When my mind is fixed on Jesus. To not have that mind is to be alienated, it says, to be a foreigner. Now, the thing about darkened and alienated in the Greek is they are passive verbs. It is something that is being done to them. If something's passive, it's being done to you. Active means you are doing it. Passive means it is being done 
to you. So they are being darkened and they are being alienated by something that is done is, uh, as a result of their own actions. That's what it says. Look at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. Hardness. Process. Unwillingness to learn. That's what it means. Unwillingness to learn. Have you ever had anybody or met anybody who can never be wrong? Who cannot learn anything? If someone says, I'm not wrong, they always are always right, guess what? That person is in, is, they're telling you they're unable to learn. Even when you get somebody who suffers the consequences of their action and they don't change, they're unwilling to learn. That is a hard person. It is a, as God would say in the Old Testament, a stiff-necked person. It is a proud person. It is the person in which God's hand is against. He says, because of the hardness of their hearts, cardia, of course, the seat of desires, feelings, affections, passions, impulses, the heart of the mind. A a person who has purposely refused to acknowledge God and submit to his sovereign rule is not only darkened and alienated, they also become calloused in their mind and behavior. They become calloused in their mind and their behavior. Have become callous is one Greek word. Apolego. Apalageo, actually, would be the right way. To lose the capacity to feel shame or embarrassment. To lose the capacity to feel shame or embarrassment. Have you ever seen somebody who has no shame? We live in a world right now where people have no shame. What was once considered off-limits for public display is now full-on on public display. What people once kept in the back corner is now front and center. The sexual revolution has literally put nothing off-limits. Nothing is off-limits. Because a person's sexual expression should not be suppressed because it will be detrimental to them. Therefore, almost nothing is off-limits. And you can be sure of this. What may still seem to be off-limits by society will soon be allowed. Why? Because the callous mind has no depths, no limit to the depths of its depravity. The callous mind has no limit to the depths of its depravity. What it says in verse 19, they have become callous 
and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Sensuality is licentiousness, being unrestrained in moral attitudes and behaviors. You know anybody like that? I don't know anybody like that per se, but I know somebody who said they were that. The writer of Ecclesiastes said he was, this is exactly what he was. Ecclesiastes 2.10 says this, And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. I did whatever I wanted to do and write my eyes, whatever desire I wanted, I went and I did it. That's a callous person. The callous person who rejects God not only is futile in their mind and given over to sensuality, they were also, it says, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Just can't have enough. I need more and more and more. Look again what it says in verse 19. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Impurity. Archathasia. Sexual impurity. Moral filthiness. Anything I want to do, I'm going to do. Lie, cheat, steal, do whatever with whoever, doesn't matter. There's no limits. This is what Jesus says, actually, was in the heart of the Pharisees. The religious leaders of the day goes, this is what's in your heart. What about our hearts? Matthew 23, 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. The futility of mind and greed for all kinds of impurity are the direct result of being handed over to a futile mind by God. There's the passivity that comes into it. God hands you over to what you want. That is why the world is darkened. Well, it's why the word darkens and alienated are in the passive. It's the natural consequence of a world that rejects God as sovereign of the universe. You ever had anybody tell you how? And they look at the world and go, how did we get here? What's happened to our world? That is an open door in which you take the scriptures and run right through it and tell them about the goodness of God. What do you mean what's happened to our world? What, are you kidding me? I know exactly why we're here. I know exactly what's going on in the hearts and the minds of society. And you open up your Bible to the book of Romans, chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, and you read to them this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Look at the nature. Look at nature. Look at your hand. Feel your hand. Feel. 
God made himself known to you. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For all they, although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but, but they became what? Futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You don't think we worship the nature in this world and climate change? Of course it is. The New Green Deal? Here it is. It's right in Scripture. Thousands of years before it came about, God already told us what was going to happen. Therefore, God what? Gave them up to the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Amen. Why is the world so bad? For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. That's what happened. That's why we are where we are in society today. They are filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Sound familiar? Yeah. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice. They are greedy for every kind of uncleanness. This is the condition of everyone whose worldview does not have God at the center of it. We have to ask ourselves, what about you and me? How do we view the world? Have we learned Christ, as Paul says to the church in Ephesus? Paul uses what is called the leotes. I think that's the right way you say it, to underscore the fact that those in Christ Jesus are no longer under the dominion of sin. Listen to what he says in verse 20. They become foolish in darkness and are greedy for every, every uncleanness. But that is not the way you learn Christ. That is not the way. Well, how can I learn Christ through filthiness and greediness and everything that's contrary to God? You can't. Martin Lloyd-Jones correctly states it this way. Paul is saying, you have not learned Christ in such a way as to say, well, yes. I believe in Christ, but I still go on living as I did before. 
any true believer of Christ cannot continue to live as they did before. And Paul, for all the certainty that he's had in the book of all that God has done, his eternal plan from the foundations of the world, rock-solid plan, no one's going to change it, God's going to save who he's going to save, he's going to, they're going to come, there's no question about it, that he seems to go from certainty to uncertainty about his audience. What he says in verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Wait, man, what a, what a switch that's been flipped all of a sudden. Don't get caught up on the word assume. Study to find out what the word assume means because what it, we think it means in English probably doesn't mean that in Greek. The word assume here means indeed or at last. Rightly translated, it would be this way. You have learned Christ. Indeed, you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Indeed, you have heard and you were taught. But there is a principle here that I think every pastor should have. Do not assume that your audience, that everybody here in this room is actually going to heaven, actually has a right relationship with God. That's why I strive to always give the gospel when you preach. People walk in, people are new, people are watching online. I have no idea where their eternal state is. The only thing that saves a person is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul here, though, has full faith. For those of you who are regular and constant, I have the same faith for you. Paul emphasizes that it is the truth of Jesus that must be taught. Verse 21, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Truth is in Jesus. Paul would say to the church in Corinth, reality is found where? In Jesus Christ. What is the truth of Jesus? The truth of Jesus is that we are to do three things. We're to put off the old self. We're to be renewed in our minds and put on the new self. Put off the old self, be renewed in your mind, and put on the new self. It's what he says in verses 22 to 24. And put off your old self. To put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through its deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Well, let's take some time and break this down. To put off, 
to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. To put off. Apotethemy means to stow away, to lay aside, to put in a box, as it were. But it doesn't mean putting it in a box like you have these uh, memory boxes, right? For, for your kids, perhaps. I can go in our attic and I can look at boxes and I can find uh, drawings from our kids who are in kindergarten and in preschool. Those are good to look at. Those are good to go back and remember. When he talks about your old manner of life and you put it away, it doesn't mean you go and you open it up every once in a while and go, ah, the good old days. They were not the good old days. They were the worst days. It means to get rid of completely because it's corrupt in every way. Your old nature is corrupt in every way. Your old nature will deceive you to believe that you are going to heaven when in fact you are going to hell. Look what it says in 22. To put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Why do you put off your old self? Because if you really are in Christ Jesus, your old self was crucified. Romans 6.6 6, For we know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Amen. Get rid of your old self. Put off. The scripture tells us to put off, to put off, and to put on. Paul, at one point in Romans, says, put to death. Execute your old self. I put off my old self. I renounce my former ways. Well, how do I put on a new self? I need something to replace what was there. You do that by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. Again, how we think is absolutely crucial. How we think is absolutely crucial. Verse 20 says, 23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of of your minds. Renewed means to cause something to become new and different with the implication of becoming superior. Becoming superior. Be renewed, verse 23 again, in the spirit of your minds. The spirit of your mind just means the way that you think. The way you view the world. Scripture over and over again tells us to engage our minds. Our minds are essential for living in a manner pleasing to the Lord. It is our minds that are to be renewed so that we can please the Lord. We can know what the Lord's will is. Be renewed in your mind. Romans 12, 2. Probably a verse we know very well. Probably can quote it by memory. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and 
perfect. Be transformed in the renewing of your mind. It's a renewed mind that helps us to put off the old self, which, of course, is just another way of how we conduct our, our, ourselves in the present age. It helps us to put off the old self, to put on the new self. Put off means to stow away. Put on means to get dressed. Literally, the word means to get dressed. Again, look what it says in verse 24. And put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So put on, as I told you, to clothe yourself with. Our renewed minds in Christ Jesus help us to live a life that is like God, righteous and holy. That's what it says. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Our renewed minds keep us in Christ Jesus, helps us to know our purpose. Helps us to know our purpose. What did Paul say to the church earlier? and also to you and I, by extension, thousands of years later. Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Walk in them. Put off the old self, and to put on the new self means to act and think like Jesus. You know, impossible, huh? Actually, it's not. Because we're commanded to do so, and God would never command us to do something in which he does not empower us to do. He would never do that. Romans 13, 14 says this, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. What are the practical applications for us in this passage? Maybe you're sitting here going, oh, man, i got a lot of work to do. Well, praise God. you got a lot of work to do. Guess what? God's working with you. God's working to help you to eradicate the old man. But how do we do that? How do I, how do I really put off the old self, be renewed in my mind, and put on the new self? How do I live in this wicked and perverse generation where they're telling me everything's okay? Sure, men, yeah, men can marry men and women can marry women and, and you, can be, you, know, you can choose to change your gender and all this stuff that's going on. When we look at the world, it's easy to say, oh, those homosexuals, all oh, those transgenders. And have a hatred in your heart towards them. That is not what God would say. It's easy to look at, and I want to encourage you to listen to a podcast called the Just Thinking Podcast. Daryl Harrison and Virgil Walker. Awesome. I'm not a podcast guy. These guys will help you understand the world, uh, race, and everything else. I think we often look at the world in the wrong lens. We get angry at groups. We get angry at 
the homosexuals, we got angry at the transgenders. Oh, look at them riots, and then we're angry at the black people. That's the wrong method. That's the wrong way to look at it. It's all a sin issue. It's not a color issue. It's not a gender issue. It's not this. It's a sin issue. It's all a sin issue. And seeing that should break our hearts. Say, man, look at these people. They are so lost. Pray that God would, would make themselves known and be the one who shares the gospel. Maybe you're the one. Maybe you're the one that plants a seed. Maybe you're the one that disciples them. You don't know. But how do I keep myself from falling back into the old ways? Well, you know, we say it, but be serious about sin. Well, what sins, you know? I mean, I got a whole list of them. You know, do I start with the bigger and work to the lesser? (laughs) No, that's the wrong way to go about it, right? Ask God to help you be sensitive to sin. I think Paul because of his relationship with Christ and his de- depth of which he sought to know Christ, I think Paul would be broken over things that we would go, what are you, crazy? What's the, what? what, what? You, you're upset that you did that? That's nothing. No, but for Paul, it would have been something. How easily do we let sin just slide by? I recommend you again, um, oh gosh, his name, a re- Respectable Sins. What's his name, Sue? Jerry Bridges' book, Respectable Sins. Okay. Think this is okay and that's okay. And we, you know, oh, it's no big deal. No, God thinks it's a very big deal. Be serious about sin. Put scripture in your mind. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not what? Sin, sin against you, Psalm 119.11. Surround yourselves with things that will edify you and build you up in the Lord. Be a regular part of the body of Christ because we're all running the same race. We all have individuals in it, individual parts in it, but we're all running the same race. It's amazing how God always puts Sunday school and a sermon together. And I can assure you that John and I did not sit down and go, well, let's really dazzle the people this week with how one... No, (laughs) that did not happen. That's a work of the Lord. God telling us, this is what it is. This is what it is. This is what it is. Another way in which you put off the old self, be renewed in your mind and put on the new self, is preach the gospel to yourself. Don't just say, I said a prayer and I understand it. It's one and done. Remind yourself of what God did for you in Christ Jesus. Remind yourself on a daily basis. This is what God done for me. He propitiated my sins for me. And now I am a child of God. I am seen as holy and spotless and blameless before the throne of God. And it will help you to live in such a way. And share the gospel with others. Share the gospel with others. We live in a crooked and perverse generation. There is no question about it. And loved ones, until Christ returns, it's only going to get worse. Scripture tells us that. As it was in the days of Noah, I mean, how bad was it that God said, I said, I got to kill everybody. 
right? How bad's it got to get for Jesus says, that's it, I'm taking my church out of it. Because Jesus said, it's going to be so bad that I'm going to cut it short for what? The sake of the elect. Preach the gospel to yourself. Why the gospel? Why always going back to the basics? Romans 1.16, we'll close with this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that if we're in Christ Jesus, you have rescued us. You have rescued us from a futile, purposeless mind. Your word tells us that you've actually given us the mind of Christ. Father, help us in this day and age to have the mind of Christ, to constantly be renewed in our minds. Help us, Lord, to constantly put off the old self, put on the new self, renewed in righteousness and holiness of God. We ask that we do so for the sake of your kingdom, for the sake of the glory of your name alone. Amen. Let's close in the song. Behold the Lamb of God that takes the sin of the world. Amen. So let us uh, sing 303. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain.
bless you all.